0: Sing that part. Well, we could, I guess. <laughs> we should. That intro part you were playing gets me to that the verse. Now let's just let's do this. We'll sing the verse. We'll mess everybody up now. But so Marionette, so we'll be doing the um the G to the C that's her um, um, hand at the timing of the New Yorker. The was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Timing. Have to get me to that timing. We have to stop on a G. We can, oh, come. we can just come in. Come. You know what? Go hold the G for a second to get yourself to the right timing for the thing and then start playing. Oh. Go to the, uh, the verse, start with the verse, play the verse. It's getting too uh, Christmas hymny. Because it's kind of, I feel like it's, I know that's supposed to be kind of that tempo for a Christmas carol, but I want to slow it down. It was just too like, like I want it, yeah, I want it really slower, so. So, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful.
1: from empty to full this Christmas season. And I don't know about you, but when I walk around, people are pretty, pretty empty. Like, you see it all over the place, you see it in people's expressions, you see it in people's attitudes, you see it in people's short-temperedness in the middle of all this stuff. So today we want to talk about more peace in our lives. And I, to be really honest, I think we all need that, don't we? We all need a little bit more peace, and I want to talk about um, what what might that look like in our lives. So, Skyler, Skyler's seven years old, and he had this conversation with his uncle, Uncle Cosmos, and he said, Uncle Cosmos, what do you want for Christmas? And Cosmos, Uncle Cosmos said, I told you, Skyler, I just want a little peace and quiet. Skyler said... I know you want a little peace and quiet, but I just came from the mall, and they're all out of that. (laughs) What else do you want? And have you felt that way? Needing peace, but it seems like everything that the holidays is supposed to be, it just rings empty. Nothing offers us peace. The only peace, and here's where I'm ultimately going to go this morning, the only peace that we can have is found in the very breath of God. God breathing into our lives His peace. So maybe you know what it's like to be running on empty, like Uncle Cosmos little gas left in your tank, that needle bumping up against E, and the life just doesn't go. Um, So this week I was at the Glendora Post Office just this Friday, and as I was in line, it was one of those moments that's surreal because you're watching and observing. I was there with my daughter Haven, and it was mad and insane, and tension filled the air, and like there's two people in line that were like having a political argument, and then, (laughs) then there's like the employees that are just like working all day, and they're just tired. And then... There's a mad, um, like this lady starts going off to the whole post office. Like, like she just starts ranting and raving. And then the manager comes running over and she starts talking and they have like, the, it kind of dies down just a little bit. And then all of a sudden this lady is so frustrated she just starts yelling at the top of her lungs. And everybody panics and they all look at her. And it was one of those moments where you, like, you know when postal workers have gone postal before. (laughs) That's why. Like, it was one of those moments. And one of the ladies behind the counter, she said this, there's no peace. There's no peace. And then she said this, what is wrong with this world? There's no peace. What's wrong with this world? Well, Advent, it means coming or arrival, but more accurately, it means presence, referring to God. God wanting his presence to be known in his people's lives. Um, Advent is a time to consider four things associated with God that will fill your tank like nothing else. Like nothing else. And it can't, it's one of those peace in the middle of a storm things. And so, um, God wants to fill our tanks this season with hope, peace, joy, and love. Life is really good when it's filled with hope, peace, joy, and love. It's amazing how good life can be when it's filled with hope, peace, joy, and love. So we just lit the the candle of peace, and it's often referred to as the Bethlehem candle because of the writings of the Old Testament prophet Micah. And so let's turn there to but you Bethlehem though you are small among the clans of Judah out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Verse 4 He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his god and they will live and they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be our peace Micah, this prophet in the Old Testament, tells us out of Bethlehem will come one who will be our peace. Now this prophecy is quoted by the religious leaders when the magi come to visit Jesus after his birth. Let's look at Matthew 2, and if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 2. We'll start in verse 1. Here's what it says. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, and he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the, of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And here's where they start to quote Micah. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Ju- Judea, Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7. Then King Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So the Magi saw this star indicating that a new (coughs) king was going to be born. And these Three wise men, these three magi, they're in this foreign land. They are not a part of God's people. And I love it because God shows up where these, these people are actually looking up in the heavens, in the sky. God shows up to their heart, and they um, take this long journey to go meet this new king. And they go to the place where you would go to if you were looking for a new king, they go to the palace of King Herod to meet this new king. And King Herod gets wind of this and he has a meeting with them and he has dinner with them and he says, oh, by the way, when you uh, find this child, fill me in. I want to know what's going on. I want to go worship too. And um, Later on, we learn why King Herod was so interested in this child's birth. Um, Now, Herod was a complex tyrant. He was a dictator. He was a tyrant. Uh, Racially, he was Arab. Religiously, he was Jewish, sort of. Culturally, he's Greek. Politically, he is the ruler um, in, uh, in the Roman Empire. Now, he had married ten women, including one who was the daughter of the high, high priest for, for Israel, the Jewish high priest. Um, he murdered one of his wives and three of his sons because they were afraid that of the political power that they had and they were, he was afraid to hold, he wanted to hold on to his, uh, his kingship. Um, he viewed them as political rivals. So Herod is well known for his brutality and his violence. And he felt threatened by the birth of this Jewish leader who is prophesied to be this great king. And to be really honest, he was just scared. He's scared that somebody might take his throne. So these magi were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, and here's why, verse uh, Matthew two sixteen. When Herod realized this, When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Now this massacre is sometimes called the murder of the innocents because of of what ultimately happened there. Herod's one of the most vicious characters in all of our Bible. In addition to the violence of King Herod, not ten years before this, the Roman general Varius he had burned villages near Nazareth, and they put on Roman crosses 2,000 men. 2,000 men were on crosses around Nazareth just a couple years before this. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that there were so many that were killed on the cross and this is the quote, space could not be found for the crosses, nor the crosses for the bodies. There's like, and, and basically anybody that would oppose the Roman Empire, they were crucified. To give an example, there's not going to be an uprising. We will kill everyone if necessary. So Jesus was born into a brutal world. And his death was a brutal And violent in all kinds of ways. Yet Isaiah calls him our prince of peace. Micah says he will be our peace. And Paul says he is our peace. Why would scripture insist that Jesus would be our peace? Why would God, who in his very being needs nothing, who is peace, subject himself to violent human beings? Why become human? Why would he put himself in a vulnerable position being a baby needing human beings for food and shelter and protection? You know, the, know that Christianity is the only faith religion that makes such a claim? The only one where God became a human. What a seemingly foolish thing to do, right? Maybe Jesus was teaching his people something. Maybe he was teaching his people what the kingdom of God should look like. Maybe Jesus had a plan in store. The way he was trying to teach his people the way things should be. How to inhabit this violent world in a way that brings healing, peace, hope, love to this world. Uh, one of the unforgettable images of the Vietnam War is a photograph, and i want to show you that photograph. It's of a nine-year-old girl named Kim. Uh, it's, it's one of those iconic pictures from the Vietnam War. And I'm going to tell you the story that goes into this. Uh, during the battle between North and South Vietnamese troops, an American commander ordered a South Vietnamese aircraft to drop a napalm bomb on this tiny village where Kim lived. Um, Kim was so badly burned on, on her backside, she ripped off all of her clothes, and she held out her arms, uh, sideways, screaming in terror. She was yelling, too hot, too hot, as a child. Her burns are so severe that doctors, um, as they treated her in hospital, um, every time they touched her, she literally passed out from the pain, um. She was in the hospital for 14 months, and 17 surgeries later, she was finally released. Um, Doctors thought she would never make it. She would never live. Now, years later, Kim's story is that she found faith in Jesus. She found faith in Jesus. She got married, and she immigrated to Canada. And in 1996, she accepted an invitation to the joined the Veterans Day ceremonies in Washington, D.C. And there she laid a wreath and spoke to 2,000 Vietnam vets. And here's what she said. I'm going to quote her, okay? She said, forgiveness made me free from hatred. I still have many scars on my body and severe pain most days, but my heart is cleansed. And then listen to this. Napalm is very powerful. But faith, forgiveness and love are more powerful. Now this is a lady that f- about 50% of her body is scarred to this day. Faith, forgiveness and love are more powerful than napalm. We could not we would not have war at all if we could learn how to live with true love, hope, and forgiveness. John Plummer, a veteran who took part in the coordinating of the airstrike that rained fire upon Kim's village, asked to meet with her. And when they did, they cried together, and she offered forgiveness. That I think on a human level is like impossible, right? But let me tell you, God, in his goodness and grace, offers us peace, even in crazy situations like this. Whether it be Kim Fook or Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King Jr., these are all people who have done great work on peace and reconciliation, and they all took their teachings from Jesus. They, like Jesus, have worked to make themselves known by their enemies. And it's too easy to do harm to somebody who is simply a label, right? But all of a sudden, when we start to know hearts and lives and people's names, true peace can only come in the sharing of our humanity as Christ entered this world as human flesh to be with us. Because Jesus' birth is an indication of that Christians should really take a tremendously high value of our view of the body, actually. I know too many Christians are like, well, the body is just absolutely corrupt, and yes, without Christ it is. But I think Christians should also have the highest value for the human body. Uh, The birth of Jesus is an affirmation that our bodies are good vehicles. They are means to know. And connect with God. And that's what we need more. We need more of that this season. Our bodies are a means to extend God's presence. And goodness to people around us. Our bodies are a means to proclaim a different way of living and being. Uh, what we call the upside down kingdom. The opposite of the kingdoms of this world. Our bodies are a means to experience and express peace. So when Jesus showed up. You know, he disappointed a lot of people when he came. Um, He didn't engage in violence like they expected him to. He didn't lead Israel into a military coup that that so many in Israel wanted to overthrow the Romans. He didn't arm his followers and hand out swords. He actually told Peter, put down your sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Jesus, the man of peace, the God of peace, shows us how to live as people of peace in a violent, violent world. I want to show you a movie clip from a movie called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's one of my heroes, and um, some of his writing is so hard to understand, and yet I love it so much, but... um, I want to show you a movie that was made a couple years ago, a little, about a three-minute little clip, and it's called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Agent of Grace, and it depicts the life of Dietrich Dietrich Bonhoeffer, his life and death. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a leader in the German church during the 1940s when he publicly opposed Adolf Hitler's government and was arrested by the Nazis and sent to prison to ultimately die a martyr's death. So let me show you a little clip. In this scene, Bonhoeffer is in prison, and he hears through the concrete wall weeping of a prisoner in the adjacent cell, and I want you to listen to what happens. Let's watch the scene. Can you turn it up? So here's a scene, you have two prisoners on with a concrete wall in between. And Dietrich this pastor prays, and he puts his hands in the wall and he says, hey and he says, "Lord, it's dark in me and you is day. I'm alone, but you will stay. I'm afraid, you never cease. I'm at war and you is peace." And this man on the other side of the wall puts his hands up, and he knows he's going to be executed the next day, and he doesn't even believe in God, and yet in some moment of grace in his life, he accepts this peace. And that next day when the guards expected the man in that next prison cell to be all blubbery, he he just accepted, he had God's peace in such a unique way. And I want you to know you can experience that in the most difficult of moments when life seems crazy, you can be offered the peace of God and you can accept that and you can it changes your disposition. Whether you're in a post office or whether in your home with five kids or whether it doesn't matter where you are, you can be offered the peace of God, and we can accept that and say absolutely yes, and we can be changed people. Peace is standing strong and calm in the middle and pressure of chaos, knowing that God is with you. Scripture speaks to this over and over again. It's Jonah in the whale. It's Daniel in the lion's den. It's Esther in the court of the king. It's David strolling out to meet Goliath. It's Jesus walking on water in the middle of the storm. Sometimes it's hard to find that kind of peace, especially when life is crazy and you're in a space where you feel like you can't even slow down to catch your breath for two minutes, yet alone having time for God. Uh, when Sharon Fleming was a teenager, her family family, would take these trips across the country. And just to keep peace in the car, they said everybody gets to make their own tape. And so they, would make, they, had thir- they bought these 30-minute tapes. And um, they said everybody gets to have their own tape. And the rule is you cannot complain about whatever anybody else puts on that tape. We listen to it, and we accept it. And it's just it is what it is. And so this is how they decided to keep the peace in their car. On these long trips, so there was um, uh, Sharon's Sharon's uh, mother would get some good church music, half an hour church music. Sharon would do contemporary Christian music. The little brother would do some rock and roll stuff, and Dad, on every trip, would have take his tape and he would put it in the tape deck. And the first time, everybody's waiting, right? They're waiting. They're waiting, and they're waiting, and then they realize that Dad's tape is blank, right? <laughs> but thirty minutes, and you guys, and I, I bring up this story because you know what? We actually need, in the middle of the chaos, we just need enough time to say, God, Spirit of God, come, and it can be two minutes, it could be thirty minutes but you need space to invite the spirit of the living God into your situation and say, God, I need your peace right now. Because everything around me is at war, and I need your peace in this moment. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he uh, immediately went to see the disciples, and here's what Jesus did, and this is John 10, verse 19. Let's read this. Let me look at this scripture. One evening, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. This is right after Jesus is resurrected. This is like the very first sighting of Jesus after he is raised from the dead. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes on his disciples And before he did that, he said, you know what he wanted to offer his disciples? He wanted to offer them his peace. His peace. Jesus spoke peace over them, and then he showed them his wounds on his hands inside, that he took the worst violence humans could ever dish out, but yet God had overcome that violence. Now, the Greek... Words that used here for breathed on them when Jesus when John um, John says that he breathed on them um, it it's it's the only time that that word is used in the whole New Testament and it evokes two scenes from the Old Testament the first one is God breathing on Adam in Genesis two God breathes into clay. Dirt and made Adam. So it's God taking and breathing life into something that needs to, needs to come alive. God breathing life into material that has no life. The second picture is in the book of Ezekiel. And the Jewish people have been demolished. And God shows the prophet Ezekiel a picture, a vision, a valley of dry bones. And these dry bones represent God's people. And God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, and all of a sudden the bones start to come together. And here's Ezekiel 37.5. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you. And cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. And you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When Jesus speaks peace to his disciples. He breathes on them. Which is a picture of God. Breathing life into death. Life into death. That's what he does to us. He breathes life into parts of us. That are seemingly dead. And that's what God wants to offer you and me in the middle of life's craziness. He wants to offer us his breath and his peace in the middle of every single storm. So how do we have, how do we have peace? We receive the breath of God into parts of us. Whatever part is feeling, uh, feeling, feeling neglected, whatever part of you, whatever part of your life is feeling dead, relationships around you, um, your own devotional lives, God wants to breathe life into that, life into that. So let me give you three practical tips today. Number one, spend five minutes thinking about a relationship or situation in your life where you would like to experience more peace. Peace. And ask God to breathe his peace into that relationship or situation. Uh, And this is just pausing and acknowledging, God, we need your spirit to do something, to change the situation. I am not experiencing peace in this relationship in my life right now. And we need that. We need God to breathe life and his peace into, into any given situation. Number two, spend 5, 15, 30 minutes dialed down each day listening and waiting with God. Because we are most fully alive when we're intimately connected with God. And I don't know if you do this or not. I mean, most of the time in the church we talk about developing your devotional life, which is just time with God. And one of the things that I, I don't do this in a religious Way, but I do it because I need God's breath in my life. And so I go into my office and I just close my door and I say, Holy Spirit, come. And I hold up my hands like this and I close my eyes and I just say, God, I, I need your presence. I need your peace right now. And some of those moments have been the most profound moments in my life where I experience the living presence of God. I experienced the breath of Jesus over my life. And it's simply because, you know, I was taught to, like, say these long prayers. And, like, and guess what? I had to, like, stop that. And not that I don't pray prayers like that, but I just wanted to, God, I want to hear what you want to talk to me about today. I want to listen. And I need you to breathe your breath into my life. And so if you don't have this, some type of practice like that, I want to encourage you to just take, take five minutes in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, come. Breathe life into me today. Breathe your life into me today. And number three, look for an opportunity to be an agent of peace in your workplace, school, or home. And when that opportunity arises, jump into jump in to being a peacemaker this Christmas season so when I was at the postal office you know I, get, I got up to the counter finally and I say I, I, just, I just said you know what I'm, I'm praying for you guys I'll be praying peace over this post office situation and she's like oh thank you please and guess what they need that right so, be an agent of peace. Be a peacemaker. Look for moments where you are saying, Look, you know, God wants to break in here. And say, I'm going to pray that God's Spirit, the breath of God, is poured out in this situation. And you get, is the answer is Jesus in this Christmas season. The answer is the breath of God. The answer is more love, hope, joy, and peace in our lives lives around us. Let's all stand. And before we sing this song, I just want to give you guys two minutes to think about this question. So be honest with your need for peace in your life right now, and just spend a minute thinking about a relationship or situation where you'd like to experience peace. In a situation, in a person, a circumstance in your life, a relationship, maybe that's estranged, and say, God, would you pour your breath out when you breathe on that situation in my life? So just give yourself a minute and think that and think about that situation or person, and invite the Holy Spirit to breathe His light Got there is For that for you. Uh, and then also each morning at 9 to 9:30, we pray. So we always do a little five minutes listening prayer at the end of that. And we say, Holy well, Spirit, what do you want to do today? Who are, are the people that need some ministry? These are some of the things that came up today. Um, somebody said that there's a division between people, and there's a wounded relationship, and God wants to breathe light into that situation right now. So if that's you. God wants you to get maybe some extra prayer this morning. Maybe some light prayer partner. Uh, somebody here, we feel like there's somebody that's divided from their, their daughter, and the situation with your daughter is just—it seems like it the gap between the
0: two will
1: never, uh, never be. best